1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Starting in verse 1, I want to read down through verse number 6. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have not no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. And then he says, ye are children of light, and the children of the day, we are not, we are not of the night, or of, nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Read through these verses, and these verses ought to provoke us to consider one very powerful question. It was brought to my mind as I was considering this theme, this topic, over the last week. When Jesus comes again, how will he find me? How's he going to find you? If he came today, he'd find you all in church today, right? Yeah. Some he wouldn't, because they're not. In Genesis chapter 3, when the Lord came back to the Garden of Eden looking for Adam, he found him ashamed and hiding in the bushes because of what he had done. When the Lord returned to the Garden of Gethsemane to his disciples, who were supposed to be watching and praying, he found them soundly asleep. When the Lord came to the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, he found a people that were so focused on the cares and the affairs of this world that they had literally locked him out and he was knocking to get in. And so it makes me wonder, when he comes again, how's he going to find you? And how's he going to find me? Maybe I need to just simply ask you, do you really feel ready for him to come this morning? Or are you concerned that you aren't quite ready for that to happen? If you say, yes, preacher, I don't, I don't think I could honestly tell you I'm ready for Jesus to come again, then I ask you this morning, what in the world is stopping you from making sure that you're living ready right now? Rapture ready, right? That's what they like to call it. Why in the world would you not live ready right now? Amen. Can you not see what is happening in our world, in our society, and even in our country at this present moment? Can you not tell that the times and the seasons are telling us that Jesus is soon going to come? Can you not see that it's gotten worse and worse as the Bible foretells? Can you not see that we live in days just like the days of Noah, where the thoughts and intents of men's hearts are only evil continually? And Jesus tells us in Matthew that when he comes again, it will be as the days of Noah. Certainly it seems that that describes our day, doesn't it? And the Bible also tells us that in that day when he comes again, men will be calling good evil and evil good. 
Truly, we are seeing that happen on a very large scale in our society Amen. and in our world in this very present moment. And the Bible promises, think about this, folks. The Bible promises that that is how it is going to be when Jesus Christ comes again. Amen. So as you consider all these things, and you can see the signs of the times, you can see that they're appearing everywhere right now at this present moment. I've got to ask you, what in the world is stopping you from living ready right now? What's stopping you? I believe most modern Christians are preparing for Christ's coming by basically ignoring it. If you look around you, you know that's the truth. And I'm not talking just at our church. I'm talking about at the Christians, the churches here in America in general. By not preparing for it. They can see all these things I just mentioned, right? They can see all these things that are, that are pointing to that soon coming event, that culminating event in the history of time. And yet they live as though it is not going to happen. They're so focused on earthly cares and, and earthly affairs rather than living with their eyes on the skies, looking for the blessed Redeemer to return again. And truly how foolish it is for us to live that way. Consider the words of Jesus. In Luke chapter 12, in verse 54 to 56, think what he says here. And he said also to the people, when ye see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, there cometh a shower, and so it is. And when ye see the south wind blow, ye say, there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? Wow. Now he was obviously talking about the time then of his first coming. But you know what? So also in his second timing, we ought to be able to discern the time. If we see a storm approaching, which is the example that Christ used, what does it cause you to do? You can see a tornado coming. You just stand out there in the middle of the street. Wait for it to hit. No, you take shelter, right? Yeah. Causes you to prepare. To wait for that thing to come. If my wife is pregnant, and my wife has been pregnant numerous times, as you all can see. <laughs> if my wife is pregnant, and I can see that a baby is on the way, and obviously that's very evident the closer she gets to having that baby. Then I diligently prepare for that event. You know, maybe even more so than most people because we had all of our children at home. So we had to buy more supplies and have more things in place and more things ready to have that child. I mean, I make sure <laughs> that we are ready to go through that delivery and prepare for that new arrival. 
Even though, you know what, I don't know when that exact delivery day will be. Is that not so much like the coming of Christ? Can we not see that it's getting closer and closer and closer and closer? And it seems like we're on the very verge of it happening. This Heidi, you just saw your daughter. Obviously, you saw. I'm sure she, she grew, grew, and grew until finally she had the baby, right? They could tell the day was coming when that baby was going to be born. The Bible says the second coming of Christ is going to be very much like that, where they're getting uh, closer and closer and closer to turn when finally the day comes where the baby comes, right? Well, finally the day has come where God is going to say, it's time to deliver my people, and I'm coming again to take home the church. Now you think about those things, what one of you would, would not prepare in those circumstances? The storm's coming, you prepare. The baby's coming, you prepare. Bible also gives us another example. What one of you would go to sleep when you can tell that there's a thief trying to break in? Anybody here going to do that? Sammy, you do that, right? Sammy would be locked and loaded. <laughs> Most of us here probably would. We're mostly country folks here. We'd be locked and loaded. We'd be prepared for that event, right? We're not going to put up with that type of foolishness if we knew something like that was going to happen. God also compares that to the day of his coming. We don't know exactly when it's going to come. But you know what? If we knew it was going to come, we'd be prepared, wouldn't we? As Paul writes here in our text, think about this now. We as Christians, we ought to know that this is coming. Notice how he talks about this. In verse number 4, he says, And ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. So yes, he's going to come as a thief in the night, unexpectedly to the rest of the world. But for us as believers, that day should not take us unawares, because we should see the signs that it's coming, and it's coming soon, right? That's what the Bible tells us. Truly, we have no good excuse, absolutely no good excuse, to not be ready for Jesus when he comes again. With all the signs of the times that we can see happening all around us each and every day, we have no excuse. And so as we think on this this morning, I want, I want you to ask yourself this very important question. You agree with me? What I just said, you know it's true. It's getting worse and worse. You can see the signs of the times. You can see it's all pointing toward that one time when he's going to come back again. You know it's pointing toward that soon coming. He's soon appearing, right? You can see it's going to happen. So when he comes, how is he going to find you? You can't ignore it, Christian. You see it happening all around you every day. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Why don't you actually prepare for it? Come on now. How is he going to find you, Christian, when he comes again? Oh, may God help us to think on that thought today that we might live ready rather than just kind of see it but ignore it and just going through the motions of life. I want to ask you first, when he comes again, will you be found ashamed or confident? Look with me, if you would, at 1 John chapter 2, and verse 28. 
Now, I'm not going to read the whole verse, but just the end half of the verse. It says here, Abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I don't know about you, you could post that verse on your wall and post it over your door before you leave your home every day. Boy, I think that's something we ought to be reminded of on a daily basis. What about it, friend? Will you, honestly, I mean, you examine your life right now as you stand this present day, right now. Will you be ashamed before him at his coming? Because how you've lived and how you are living your life right now would you be, think about this now, would you be like Adam in the garden, longing to find somewhere to hide your spiritual nakedness because you know you haven't done what was pleasing in God's eyes? Yes, you know he's your Lord. You know he's your God. You know he's your Savior. But you neglected a close walk with him. You were careless about putting him first. You really were not concerned about being his holy, set-apart people and living in a way which honored and pleased him. Will you be one like this that will be ashamed on that day? Or will you stand with confidence? Would you stand like Brother Paul and say, Yes, I've fought a good fight and I've finished my course and I've kept the faith. Amen. What about you? How do you think, if you're honest with yourself this morning, that he would find you today ashamed or confident because of the life that you have or have not lived for Jesus Christ? Number two, when he comes again, will he find you prayerless or prayerful? Look with me, if you would, at Mark chapter 13. Verse 32-37. Now that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is a, as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at cock crowing, or in the morning, lest suddenly coming, or lest coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Many, if not most, of the texts that talk of Jesus coming again instruct us as believers to watch and pray as we look for his soon appearing. And the truth is that it that is revealed here is that an individual who truly is ready and looking for the Lord to come again is a man that is described as a man of prayer. A man that is dedicated to prayer. You know, folks, a prayerless Christian or a Christian that prays Little is not prepared or looking for Jesus to come again. That is the truth. Their focus, if they're not praying hardly at all, 
or not at all. I mean, if they're praying little or not at all, their focus is on earthly things. That is very evident. They're not looking for Jesus to come again. His prayer life reflects his unprepared and apathetic spiritual life as a Christian. They are not ready. But you look in your Bible and you find two men that did live ready. There's a man by the name of Enoch, a man by the name of Elijah in the Old Testament. Both of these picture a Christian who was ready for the rapture. Both of these men were caught away uh, to heaven, just as the church will be caught away to heaven on that rapture day. These were great men, and they were great men of prayer. The Bible's testimony of Enoch was that his communion with God was so close that the Bible simply states that he walked with God and was not. For God took him. Boy, what a prayer life that man had. Elijah's prayer life was so strong that he is used in the book of James as an example of effectual, fervent prayer. These men, they lived ready because they were men of prayer. What about you? Does your prayer life show a man who is looking and ready for Jesus to come? Even as you study the life of Elijah, this man that, that was caught away, that was raptured up, so to speak, in the Old Testament. And you might say, well, preacher, we don't really know. We can't really have any sense about God coming again. Did Elijah know that he was going to get taken to heaven? God. He did, didn't he? Amen. You read in that Old Testament, he kept on telling Elijah, you just stay back. You just stay back. He had a sense that he could know and he could feel that God was going to take him. He knew the time was coming. He knew it was at hand. And I believe he had that sense about him because he could see the work of God and he could feel it through the prayers that were, that were offered up on his behalf before God. Listen, folks, what type of prayer life do you have? These men lived ready. Elijah could see this rapture coming because of his prayer life. What about you? What does your prayer life show? Does your prayer life show a man who is just living in this world? Just going through the motions of life? Does your prayer life show an individual who can see all the signs, but doesn't really care that Christ is coming again? Or does your prayer life show a man who is looking for and ready for Jesus to come? Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Yes, Boy, I'll tell you what, if we're really living ready, we're going to be living in a way where we are drawing nigh to God. We're getting closer to God because we know his soon coming is getting closer and closer, and we want to be ready to meet him, right? And when I neglect prayer pray hardly at all. I don't really care much about that. Really, that spiritual aspect of my life tells me where I'm at on my spiritual radar. And you know what? When I don't care a whole lot about it, it tells me my spiritual radar is way down here, right? Amen. You're not living ready in that manner. So listen, when he finds you, how will he find you? Hey, when he came for Elijah and he caught him up in that fiery chariot, he found a man that knew how to pray, that knew how to get a hold of God. When he came down and he found Enoch, he found a man that walked with God and was not, for God took him, for the man knew how to walk with God in prayer. When he comes again, how will he find you? Prayerless or prayerless?
prayerful. Notice number three. When he comes again, will he find you faithless and unfaithful? Or will he find you full of faith and faithful? Jesus said in Luke chapter 18 and verse number 8. He posed this question. And when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith? You look at the day and age in which we live now, it's no wonder Jesus said that, isn't it? Truly, we live in days right now where there is very little faith or faithfulness that is seen in the lives of them that even call themselves Christians. The Bible says that just shall live by faith, right? Amen. Yet the things of faith have taken a back seat to all other priorities in the lives of those that call themselves Christians in this modern era. One very evident, invisible aspect of that is church, right? Good. In fact, you know what? You think about it, go back to the early church. I've heard so many people, I don't have to attend church to worship God. You know what? The early church did not attend church three times a week, did they? The early church was so spiritually hot that we find them gathering every single day, Christians. Amen. They couldn't get enough church. Amen. It wasn't like they had to find time to get out of church. They were trying to find time to get into church. Amen. And this was despite, think of what they were facing. This was despite the threat of persecution. This was despite the threat of martyrdom. It was at that time that Stephen became the first martyr of the church. I mean, they were under duress, and yet day after day, they would be found faithfully gathering to worship and serve God. Amen. Nowadays, it's hard to get somebody to even come to church for one service a week. Many churches, because of this, have accordingly cut out the other services because there is little or no interest. Now, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Y'all don't show up on Sunday night, I'm going to be here, we're going to have church. Y'all don't show up on Wednesday night, I'm going to be here, we're going to have church. Amen. Some of these other churches, a preacher might say, there's no interest, I'm not going to waste my time preparing and going to have church when nobody else will gather with me. Well, bless God, I'm going to gather with me and mine, amen. If there's no more besides me and my house, we'll gather in the house of God, just like Noah, that faithful preacher of righteousness, who said, bless God, we'll go on for God, even if it's only us eight. Amen. And there is eight in my family, by the way. <laughs> you see, the modern church is faithless and unfaithful. And I'll tell you what a shame it is if the Lord finds the church in that way, if the Lord finds you as a Christian in that way, Hebrews 10, 25, y'all know this verse, for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And listen, listen to this last phrase. This is so important. And so much the more what? As you see the day approaching. What day? The day of the return of Jesus Christ. Do you not see it approaching? 
Think about that, Christian. The Bible exhorts us to be faithful in assembling together as we see that day approaching. This applies to other areas of, the, of our faith as well. But you know what? The church attendance is a very visible example about where we stand on our faith. People say, well, I can be a great person of faith and never have to go to church. You know what? If you were a great person of faith, you wouldn't be in church. The just shall walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. My faith doesn't keep me out of church. My faith gets me in the church. Amen. Any faith that keeps you out of church, you better beware of that type of faith. Because that's not the type of the type of faith that the disciples had. That's not the type of faith the early church had. Their faith caused them to gather every day, Christian. Amen. Amen. Thank God help us. Hey, when he comes again, how's he gonna find you? Faithful or faithless and unfaithful? Oh, may God help us. I don't want to be found unfaithful. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the God, the Lord. When the doors of the church are open, we're going to be here. Amen. We're going to have, we're going to worship. We're going to serve God. And you know what? Day by day, hey, it doesn't stop there. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to call on my God's name. I'm going to day by day, I'm going to get alone and I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be a man of faith. Amen. And night by night, I'm going to gather my family together and we're going to worship God as a family. Amen. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to have a family altar time. Amen. Because the days out there might be getting closer to the coming of Christ and it might be getting darker and darker. But in this place and in my house, it's going to get brighter and brighter. Amen. Because I'm going to live by faith. And when he comes again, I'm going to want, I want him to find me faithful. Amen. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Those are the words I long to hear. Those are the words I look to hear. Amen. When he comes again, how will he find you? Ashamed or confident? Prayerless or prayerful? Faithless and unfaithful or full of faith and very faithful? Number four, will he find you sleeping or watching? In Mark chapter 13, verse number 36, this phrase catches my attention. He says, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. How many saints are sleepy saints nowadays? How many Christians have fallen asleep on the job, right? Spiritually speaking. Amen. What about it, Christian? Are you spiritually refined? Are you spiritually awake and prayerful look, prayerfully looking and, and watching for the, the soon return of the, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Or have you fallen asleep on the job, just kind of drifting through the world? Are you like Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, who was supposed to be watching and praying, but Christ returned to find him Sleeping. In the words he says to Peter, could you not pray with me one hour? What would it feel like he comes again and he says, Christians, could you not pray with me that final hour? Could you not have prayed with me that final hour, Christians? Will he find return to find you spiritually slumbering, Christian? Lazily drifting off, no man's land, 
is going through the motions of life when we're on the brink of the return of Jesus Christ? Right. Or will he find you praying? And will he find you watching? No one's going to decide for you but you. In Romans 13, 11, the Apostle Paul, he says this, he says, Knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of our sleep. Hey, listen, Christian, it's past high time for us to awake out of our sleep, for Jesus is coming again. Amen. Truly, we can see that the time in which we live is speeding toward the return of Christ. Let us be awakened to watch and to pray. And to be ready to meet the Lord. The Bible says he's coming for his bride, right? What bride prepares for her groom on her wedding day by falling asleep in the dressing room? I don't think I know any bride that would do that, right? Boy, she is so diligent about preparing herself for that day. She wants every lock of hair in perfect order. She wants every ornament on her dress Arrayed in the perfect and right way. And everything about her at that moment as it approaches closer and closer and closer to the day that she, that she gets married is all focused on that one event when the bridegroom comes to take her as his bride. Amen. Amen. And listen, we are the bride of Christ as the body of believers and we're waiting for him to come. Why would he come and find you sleeping? What a shame. Can you imagine what a shame it would be to a husband to come to his wedding day and find his wife was so careless that she was off in some corner somewhere completely unprepared and fallen asleep. So apathetic about that day that she hadn't even cared enough to make sure that she was prepared and awake and ready. Oh, may God help us to live ready. May God not find us sleeping on the job when he comes again. How will he find you? I hope I'm provoking you to think of something a little bit this morning, Christians, because we can see, we can see the sign for the time. We know that's the case, but we don't think about our preparedness. Right. And we need to, because it's that vital. We need to live in the light of that. Will he find you ashamed or confident? Will he find you prayerless or prayerful? Will he find you faithless or faithful, will he find you sleeping or watching? I want you to notice also, will he find you unconcerned or waiting? Look with me, if you would, at Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, 
lest there not there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in, in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Oh, how many today seem to be like those foolish virgins. Even many that are professing Christians that are uh, in, in churches all across America today, they seem very much like those foolish virgins. They are unprepared. And they are unconcerned with the soon return of the bridegroom or bride. And the truth is that that's the way it was uh, for, for Christ's first coming as well, was it not? The world was too busy and too full of other things to have any place for the Savior to be born and to enter this world. Everywhere was marked, no room, no room, no room. And so also, I believe, will many in that day when he comes again be too busy and too full of other unimportant things to be ready to meet him when he comes again. What about you? Are you waiting? Are you anticipating his coming? Or does your life demonstrate that you're just too busy. And you are just too full of so many other things to be concerned with the coming of Jesus Christ for his church. Oh, may God help us to be as those wise virgins, waiting, watching, and longing for his soon coming. Amen. We are to be anticipating that. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Thy will be done, thy what? Thy kingdom come, amen. That ought to be the prayer upon our lips day by day as we're waiting and we're watching and we're longing for Christ to take us home to glory, amen. It's kind of like Christmas. Any of you who have had children, you know when Christmas Day comes, boy, they are excited, right? Or they are just anticipating that wonderful day where they get to open those gifts and be with their family and, and they, they just eat it up, right? There's great anticipation there. You know what? That's the way it ought to be with us Amen. as we await Jesus coming again for his church. We're just on edge, awaiting with anticipation because we so long to be with him forever. Is that not what it says in our text today? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. When he catches us away, that's what's going to happen. We're entering eternity at that moment. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We got to look to that day with anticipation. Now I want you to notice lastly. So how will he find you? Will he find you ashamed or confident? Prayerless or prayerful? Faithless or full of faith? Sleeping or watching? Unconcerned and apathetic or waiting and anticipating? And lastly, when he comes again, will he find you lost or saved? Look with me if you would at 1 Thessalonians 
chapter number four. Chapter 4 and verse 13 to 18. It says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by, uh, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trump of God, uh, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know what? This makes it abundantly clear that only those who have trusted Christ will be caught away, will be caught up at the time of the rapture when Jesus comes again in the clouds. Now, the rest of the unbelieving world, the Bible makes it clear they will be left behind. And those that have heard the gospel, like those of you in here today, will be left behind to believe the delusion and the deception and the lies of the Antichrist, and they will not be saved. They will live through the wrath of God during the tribulation period on this earth, and they will live through the wrath of God in eternity, separated from God in hell forever and ever and ever. If they will not receive Christ during this day. Notice what it says about this. You don't believe me. I want you to hear it with your own ears. Second Thessalonians chapter number... 2, verse 1 through 12, this is not something that I have made up. This is what the Word of God says. Okay, uh, let's actually start in verse number 7. It says, For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. Talking about the Antichrist with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, listen now, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they, might, they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks all the way to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of, uh, of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Now consider that for a minute, friend. The rest of the unbelieving world, at that time when he comes again, they will be found as lost, they will be found as under the wrath of God. They will be found as the enemies of God and condemned already. And listen, they will not get to go to God, to go with Jesus to heaven. 
But they will be left on this world to live through that tribulation period as the wrath of God is literally poured out on this Christ-rejecting world. And then as they die, they will lift up their eyes in hell and suffer the wrath of God in an eternal place of eternal torments forever and ever and ever. There's no end to that. There's nothing pleasant about that. I don't even like having to say it, but it's true. It's real. It will happen if you never receive Christ as your Savior. Truly, what a sad day it would be for a Christian to be ashamed at his coming because I neglected to live for him like I should. That would be a sad thing. But it will not just be sad for an unbeliever. It will be a horrible tragedy for the lost man who has refused to repent and to trust in Christ. Right. Because that individual will suffer the wrath of God and eternal condemnation forever and ever and ever without ever having a chance to remedy that ever again. You see, most of all, as you look for Jesus to come again, you better make sure that you know you're saved. You better make sure you're right with God. I mean, if there's a question mark in your mind today, listen, you see, Christ is coming again. Christ is coming soon. And you say, but I don't know if I'll really get into heaven. Let me tell you, friend, you better not put that off. You better not wait another day. You better get right with God today. You better repent and, and turn to him and trust in him and follow him and, and give your life to him as Lord and Savior because today could be the day. Amen. It could be the day that you enter eternity through a car wreck or any other means. Or it could be the day that Jesus comes again. How will he find you? Will he find you lost? Will he find you his enemy condemned under the wrath of God and headed to hell? Or will he find you saved under the blood, redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, justified by the Son of God, amen, and headed to a glorious home in heaven forever and ever? Praise God. I know that's how he's going to find me. And what about you, Christian? As we approach that day, maybe you say, I know I'm saved. He'll find me under the blood. But how will he find you living your life? Will he find you being ashamed, faithless, prayerless? How will he find you, Christian? Oh, we can see the signs of the time. We can see it everywhere. We can see that that's coming soon. Why don't we live like it? Oh, may God help us to live in the light of the second coming of Jesus Christ. As we stand to our feet now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, the altar is open. Christians, if the Lord has spoken to your heart, would you come and pray? Would you just come and say, Lord, oh, help me. I want to I wanna live in light of the coming of Jesus Christ. I want to pray like I need to. I want to walk in faith and live in faith like I ought to. I want to be watching and I want to be waiting. I want to be confident in that day when I see the blessed face of Jesus. I want to be so confident. What about a believer when you come and pray this morning? Maybe you want to just come and pray and you've been trying, but you just want to say, Lord, help me. Lord, I really, I, I want to be the best that I possibly can and I want to be as ready as I possibly can for when Jesus comes again. The Lord spoken to your heart. The altar is open when you come and pray about that this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, the message spoke to my heart because I don't really even know that I'm saved. I don't know 
Christ came today that he would see me under the blood. I don't know that I've been redeemed. I, I really am not sure that I would go to heaven one day. If that's you here this morning, could you raise your hand and say, Preacher, please pray for me. I believe I need to get saved. I believe I need to repent and trust Christ and give my life to him. And I need to do it today. Is there anyone like that here today that recognizes that they need to get saved and they want to make that decision to give their life to Christ today? Anybody at all? I don't see any hands. God's know, God knows your heart. The Lord's spoken to your heart. You 